I'm going to ask Allison Takis to come. She's going to read 2 Kings chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, could you turn there? If you picked up a Bible in the back, it'll be page 211. So she's going to be reading 2 Kings chapter 2 for our time in the Word this morning. Second Kings. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elisha and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elisha said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel, and the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it, but keep quiet. Elisha said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho, and the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elisha said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elisha took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. And if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elisha went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. And he took up the cloak of Elisha that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak of of Elisha that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elisha? And when he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. Thank you so much, Allison. This type of passage can leave you with maybe even a few more questions than it answers. So a lot is going on in there, and it's a really dramatic story, and this kind of story isn't exactly echoed anywhere else in Scripture. And so there's this picture of Elijah that's he's going from city to city with a recognition that his life and his ministry is just about over. And so as Elijah goes, uh, that's significant because we've been tracking for several weeks this ministry that Elijah had. And you see that it's a time of transition. So it's, it's going to be handed off from Elijah to Elisha. And, and the, the spiritual leadership of that country is in a time of transition. And Elijah gives this promise, but it's a, it's a conditional promise of a, a double portion that Elisha will receive. And so that is, again, you don't see that anywhere else in Scripture. And it's interesting as you track with the miracles of Elisha, there are almost twice as many as the miracles that Elijah did. 
And, and, and you hear of chariots of fire and whirlwinds, a cloak left behind. It's a really, really dramatic scene. And in the middle of that dramatic scene is a question that I really want to call our attention to. A question right there at the end of it. And, and Allison read it just a moment ago in verse 14. So Elisha takes the cloak of Elijah. It's kind of a symbol of transition here. And he goes back and he stands on the bank of, of the Jordan. And, and he strikes the water and he asks this question. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? In, in all that he saw, all that took place in those few moments of, of transition, he asked this question, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And I think there's a lot really about the past embedded in that question and about the present and even the future. I think the question is really, there, there are some questions behind that question. And one of those would be, is the Lord locked into a particular era? I think that's one of the questions Elisha is asking. Is he locked into a particular era? Is it like only during the time of Elijah? Or is it like, no, God could still be at work now and, and even going forward? Where's the Lord? And it's not even so much is it an era, but it's also an individual. I mean, Elisha, what an intimidating thing to follow in the footsteps of Elijah. Is the Lord locked into like, he worked through this particular person, but like not anymore. That day has passed. Once that individual went to be with the Lord, that's kind of, kind of it. Or, or could God work through someone else? Maybe a series of people. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? So since, since November, we've been reading different pieces of Elijah's life and talking about it. The way we normally handle God's word on Sunday morning is we really zoom in, if you will. We kind of take a few verses and we look at those in depth. Today, I, I actually want us to do the opposite thing. I'd like for us to zoom out because I, I don't want to leave Elijah without answering this question, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And I think we can, we can see what God did through the life of Elijah as we kind of zoom out and go, hey, okay, what, what is it about Elijah's life that made Elisha so hungry to see the Lord work again? So what do we know about Elijah? One thing we know about Elijah is that he was devoted to God. He was devoted to God in a time where many were not. For Elijah, for Elijah, the cultural moment, everything that seemed to be in the environment, the spiritual environment, the religious environment, just kind of the cultural winds uh, were, were actually blowing against him. So I don't know that he ever heard these words in, in this exact way, but it certainly would have been applicable. Probably many people could have told Elijah, you got to get with it. You don't want to be on the, the wrong side of history. Like culture is coming and this is the way things are now. That's, the God that you're talking about, that, that was... That was from the past. The word of the Lord that you're talking about, that was from the past, but it's a new day and there's a new way of thinking about things and there's this cultural moment that's blowing so hard. And Elijah, in that midst of that, is devoted to God. I mean, even the leaders seem to be pushing. The leaders of the nation of Israel are pushing in this direction against God. 
You don't have to turn to these, but I, I do just want to reference a few places that we read in the story of Elijah. First Kings 16, verse 33 said, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings who were before him. This is not an easy time to be devoted to God. It's not an easy time. It says in 1 Kings 21 that there, were, there was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord, like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols. So Elijah is this man devoted to God in the midst of a a crazy world. As a matter of fact, it's not just the leaders, not just Ahab and Jezebel, but what we've seen is like a lot of people were going against who the Lord said he was and who he promised to be. It says even that Ahab made Israel, the whole nation, to sin. He led them in that direction and they followed. And here is here is Elijah devoted to God when it's not so easy. You see, I see so many parallels because if you're going to live for Christ, if you're going to live for Jesus in 2018, you'll be living for him in a world that has gone after idols. You'll be living in a world that says pleasure and comfort are what you ought to pursue and you give everything for it or power, or control, or approval of this person, or that person. That if you get this achievement, if you get this degree, then that will say something about your identity. That will say who you are. And and in that kind of world, it's so easy to get distracted. I mean, even if we don't buy wholeheartedly, because I mean, we've we've sang about the Lord. I mean, he is the Lord of our life. He is our king. But even in the midst of that, it's easy to get distracted because there's so many things, there's so many pressures of life. There's different stages of life. There's jobs, there's illness, there's friends, there's fun, there's physical issues, there's aging, there's anxiety, there's hobbies, there's times when we feel very busy, there's times where we feel neglected, and there's times where we have have a, a, a lot going on, there's times where we're confused, just grinding out life. There's all sorts of things that could easily turn our heart away from the Lord and we may not be pursuing the one thing that's needful, like Jesus would talk about, or maybe we find ourselves being double-minded and and unstable in all of our ways, like James would talk about. But we see Elijah devoted to the Lord. Elijah in that time was was jealous for the Lord. That's what he says. I've been jealous for your glory. And even in 2 Kings 1, where a new king is trying to find some guidance This is the question Elijah will ask, like, well, can't we just ask God? Isn't there a God in Israel? Why do we have to pursue other things? Why don't we just ask God? Elijah was devoted. And I want you to see something. So where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? As Elijah was devoted to God, the Lord sustained him. Where is the Lord? He's present, sustaining Elijah as he would Elisha as he does us. Think about the story of Elijah, just what we've talked about. If, if Maybe you're new to the series, but I mean, we, we've talked about how all those years of protection where Elijah, surely there was a bounty on his life. God protected him. God sustained him. Surely the king could have had him executed and wanted it, or certainly the queen would have. And God protected him. He had a tough message to deliver, and God 
protected him. And God met his needs sometimes by, by a brook, fed him, and sometimes at, at a widow's house as, as the Lord provided, the Lord sustained him. All those times of encouragement when he goes to Mount Horeb and he pours out his heart before the Lord and he's discouraged and, and he feels like he's isolated. The Lord reminds him, you're not isolated. I see you and there's 7,000 with you and you can anoint your successor because God's glory is going to go on. The Lord encourages him. The Lord sustains him. And we need this because we live in a world that is not always devoted to God. And and we live our days wondering sometimes, is it worth it? And sometimes we feel weary and broken down and beat down. And this is a God who sees and cares. When I talk about the Lord sustaining you, for many of you, for many of you in this room, this is not, like I'm not talking about a stranger. You know the reality of what it means for the Lord to sustain you again and again. You know what it's like for the Lord to show his mercy again and again. You know what it's like for the Lord to be your shelter. You know what it's like for the Lord to be your rock. You know what it's like for the Lord to show you compassion and mercy again and again. You know what it's like for the Lord to protect you, to look out for you. You know what it means for the Lord to be your strength and your fortress. I just want to remind you today, that our God never grows weary. He never gets tired of being the rock for us, of being the strength for us, of being our refuge. He won't get tired in a decade of doing that. And he won't get tired in two decades of doing that. He'll never grow weary. He will never get tired of your cries for help, your requests for deliverance, He'll, he'll never turn that deaf ear to that. He, he'll, never be, he'll never ignore your own weakness and, and your pain that you feel. The Lord cares for you, even when you feel like the Lord has brought you low. And sometimes that happens, like physically or mentally, emotionally. You know, like the Lord has just knocked out all the props and brought you to a very low place. Even in there, I want you to hear the words of Paul where he says that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Even there, it's not as if God has abandoned us. Who who would not want a God like this? Who would not want to entrust their life to a God who will sustain you each step of the way, whose care for you knows no limits? Isn't this why we sing? Isn't this why we gather? Isn't that why we come together and say, here is love? vast as an ocean. And we remind ourselves of that. I was thinking about even this past week, I, in the same day, I met with someone that was probably old enough to be my son. And I met with someone that's old enough to be my dad in the same day. And I remember the conversation both had this kind of theme. And that is, we have a God who can sustain us. We have a God who can take care of us. We have a God who walks with us. Where's the Lord, the God of Elijah? He's the one that's sustaining us. But I want us to look at another aspect of Elijah's life. Elijah not only was devoted to the Lord, but he was faithful. He was faithful to the next directive from God. So when God spoke, when God directed Elijah's life, Elijah obeyed. So again, think about the stories with me. So God, God lets Elijah know he should go confront King Ahab. And you know what? He does it. And then God sends Elijah to a brook and tells him to wait for food. And he goes. 
and Elijah is sent to a, a widow's house and God has told him, relocate yourself so that I can provide for you and for a widow and for a son. And Elijah leaves his place of relative safety and goes to that place. God tells Elijah to confront Ahab again on Mount Carmel and he does it. God tells Elijah to anoint successors and he finds Elisha. Second Kings 1, God tells Elijah to confront another king about his godlessness and Elijah does it. Yeah, I, I mean, Elijah is a special person, but he's as human as we are. But driving Elijah was this faith in God. We don't see from the text I've read, you know, I've read these stories over and over again. What I don't see is God ever communicating to Elijah, here's my master plan. Let me give you a 30-year plan here of what I'm doing with your life. Just so you know, just so you don't have to sweat the small stuff. I got you for 30 years. Here's, here's what this day on January whatever is going to look like in 2000 whatever. He doesn't do that. And so I, I'm positive. I'm positive there had to be days where Elijah was going, what are you doing, Lord? I'm positive Elijah would have to answer the question you might have to answer. And that is like, what does faithfulness to God look like in this moment? In this moment right now, when I don't have the master plan, when I don't know all of what you're doing, what does it look like to be faithful right now? And in the midst of that, as Elijah was faithful to the next directive from God, the Lord was faithful. The Lord was faithful to lead and direct. You see, this is what God does. This is what God does regularly for all his children, not just like a a special select group of them. That's why Psalm 23, some of our favorite psalms, The Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, he leads me beside the still waters. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to be afraid. Because he's with me. He's he's going to continue to direct. He'll be faithful to do that. He gives his disciples an amazing, I mean, a huge assignment. He says, I want you to make more disciples of me throughout all nations. That's a huge assignment. And then he adds this promise, and I'm with you everywhere. So as you're going, as you're going into all the world to make disciples, I'm with you everywhere. I'm not leaving you. The Lord was faithful to lead and faithful to direct. And when we see, we see it play out in Acts 13. They're praying like, Lord, show us what to do. And the Lord shows them, send out Barnabas and, and, and Saul for the work that I have for them. Acts 16, seeking where where does the Lord want his gospel to go forward? And the Lord directs. And I could tell you story after story of people in this congregation that have said, Lord, direct me with your, I want to know your will. Lead me. And it's not always 100% clear. Sometimes it's like, I don't know all of what's going on, but I know my my next step. And the Lord is faithful to guide. Sometimes the leading hasn't been 100% clear at one time. Sometimes it's been even very different than what I expected. But God's been faithful to lead. As I, was, as I was just even thinking through that and typing out those words, the Lord is faithful to direct. I couldn't help but remember in 2004 and 2005 when Shauna and I were praying because we knew like, we felt like the Lord would have a place for us to serve. And, and we were pursuing, we, we, we weren't just kind of sitting back waiting, we were pursuing like, Lord, what do you have? 
because we felt like the Lord was moving us in, and particularly even moving us out of a place in the southeast where there were churches on every corner. And, and we felt like the Lord was, was stirring our heart, even as I was working with college students at the time at a previous church. And we, we felt the Lord working, but there were times of darkness where we were like, Lord, we don't know what you're doing. And then God opened doors for us. I remember praying, Lord, I want to be at a church where we're not really, we're not impressed by gimmicks. What, what we're hungry for is your word and your spirit. We want to see you work through your people. That's what we want. That's what we want. I see how the Lord brought me here. And then I, I regularly sit at a pastor's meeting where I, I see the Lord brought Chris from Indiana and brought Pastor Evan from, from Boston and, and, and brought Champ from Ohio to us. But then it goes far beyond. I, I was at a meeting with our, our shepherding team and our deacons, and I thought, man, look at what the Lord has arranged. And it's been over, over years, over decades at Ogletown. Look at what God has brought together. Look how the Lord has been faithful to bring us servants and leaders who actually care for this congregation really, really well. And then I think about the, the, the group that I call my church family, Ogletown Baptist. I think even in a moment, we'll have membership matters where others will be trying to seek, like, is this where the Lord is leading us? And I have great confidence that the Lord will guide and bring to our staff and our leadership and our membership exactly who we need. I I think of the big moments in my life, kind of the macro view of my life. And I see, yep, God's at work there. And I look at the micro events and I say, you know, even when I didn't know what he was doing in 2013 or 15, I see, I see his faithful guiding here. And again, I want to ask, like, don't you want that kind of God? Don't you want the kind of God talked about in Psalm 37, where a person's steps are established by the Lord and he takes pleasure in his way? Even though he falls, he won't be overwhelmed because the Lord supports him with his hand. Don't you want to follow this kind of God? Don't you need this direction? As good as you are, as strong as you are, as tough as you are, don't you still need this kind of God that, that knows your life, knows you in and out and can lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You do. You need that. Elijah was faithful to the directives of the Lord. I also see how Elijah gave his life to prepare people for God. I can't leave Elijah without just recognizing this was his mission. It's kind of become synonymous to me when I think of Elijah. I think this was a man who wanted people prepared for God. So an entire nation is walking away from God and Elijah's courageously trying to bring that nation back to God. When he spends time with this widow in Zarephath and and the Lord provides for her, she says, now I know, now I know that you're a man of God and the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. On Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18, Elijah asked the people, like, how long are you going to be hesitating? Like, you need to be ready to meet God. How long are you going to hesitate between two opinions if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, let's, let's quit the charade. Like, let's be ready for God. He prays, Lord, answer me so that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. People respond when they see God at work. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Elijah had this ministry of grace and warning. He desired to be people that people would be prepared for God, prepared for God to work, prepared for God to speak, prepared for God to reveal himself. He has this burden to make sure people are ready for God. And this is what I see in the life of Elijah. Elijah gave his life to prepare people for God. And 
And the Lord used him. And the Lord used him to prepare people for God. We see stories of how God used him. As God was using him to make sure people were ready. In some ways, it it almost seems as if the people didn't always respond. So he's trying to prepare them. Seems like the people didn't respond. He anoints Elisha, but the people of Israel continue on in their spiritually suicidal ways. And they're going to end in devastation. So he asked, like, so, okay, so we say that the Lord used Elijah to prepare people for God, but, but wait a minute. Do we see that? Do we see that even playing out in 2 Kings? Are the people really, really ready for God? But Elijah's one of those characters. I just have to, have to note this. Elijah's one of those characters that shows up pretty regularly in the Bible. So there's some that the Bible tells their story and then moves on. But Elijah's like Abraham and Moses and David. I mean, you, you keep reading in the Bible and you, his name keeps popping up. As a matter of fact, in some ways, it's as if Elijah was this symbol of the man that was constantly pouring out, be, be ready, be ready for God. When God's people are, are living in very, very difficult times, at the very end of the Old Testament, kind of as that closes down, there's the last book of the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. And you don't have to turn there. It, it'll be on the screen. But Malachi 4 verse 5 says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah. We've got people that want their nation to be restored. And this is what, this is what the Lord says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And Elijah will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction. So Elijah had this desire to prepare people to meet God. And there at the end of Malachi, God makes a promise. I'm going to send Elijah before before I come, before the great and awesome day of the Lord. I'm going to send Elijah. And there are 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the anticipation builds, like, when will God send Elijah to come? Who is Elijah? Is it, like, is he a symbol? Is it another person? Is it a person like Elijah? That's why it's so fascinating to me that as the story of Jesus unfolds, there is this person that actually is going to pave the way for Jesus. We know him as John the Baptist. But as John the Baptist's birth is announced, I I want you to see how it's announced in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, it says that John the Baptist will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of who? Elijah. So all that Israel was waiting on, we, we want Elijah to come. What God is saying through the angel of the Lord, like Elijah's coming. turning the hearts uh, uh, of the fathers to the children to make ready for the Lord a people that are prepared. That's why Matthew 3 and Mark 1 and Luke 1 and John 1 are all about John the Baptist. who's like Elijah getting people ready for God. He preaches, he baptizes, he warns and, and the disciples begin to recognize, okay, something's different about this John the Baptist because he is referred to a lot in the same breath as Elijah. 
And, and as they begin to process who Jesus is, who is this Jesus, they're also like, who was, Eli- who was Elijah and, and who is John the Baptist? And Jesus answers some questions in Matthew 11. He says, this is, talk about, you want to know who John the Baptist is? He's my messenger. I promise to send before your face who will prepare your way before you. All the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you're willing to accept it, you'll recognize he, John, he's Elijah who is to come, and if you have ears to hear, hear. Elijah is preparing people for God. He may have died wondering, like, did I prepare anybody for God? And then John the Baptist comes, prepares people for that great and awesome day of the Lord. When Jesus would come, God in the flesh. It's an amazing story where Elijah's mentioned one, one more time. And it's when Jesus is up on a mountain and he's seen in all of his glory. In Matthew 17, he's actually talking to a couple Old Testament characters, Moses and Elijah. And the disciples of Jesus don't even know what to think. You wouldn't either. If they had lots of questions, you would have them too. And this is what the disciples, as they come down the mountain, they're asking Jesus this question. This is basically like, what's going on here? Why, why are the scribes saying that Elijah must first come? And this, listen to what Jesus says. He answered, Elijah does come and he's restoring all things. But I tell you, I tell you, Elijah has already come. And nobody recognized him. At least the leadership did not. And, and they did to him whatever they pleased. But the Son of Man also will suffer at their hands. You hear in Jesus' words, I think, the echoes of what Elijah was all about. It's time to be ready to meet God. It's time to prepare our hearts to be ready. Elijah came pouring out his life for the people of Israel. Be ready for God. John the Baptist came pouring out his life. Be ready for God in flesh, Jesus Christ. So we we started this look at Elijah's life by saying, where is the Lord God of Elijah. Where, where is he? Well, this is where he is. This is where he is. He's sustaining his people. Even when we feel like we can't go on. This is where he is. He's continuing to direct us. And here's, here's where he is. He's sending us message after message, telling us, be ready. Be ready to meet the Lord. Not one of us will escape death unless we meet the Lord before that. And in that moment, everybody spends eternity somewhere. Be ready, be ready, be prepared for God. So are you? Are you prepared for him to work? Are you, are you prepared for him to speak to you? Are you prepared for him to reveal himself to you? If he were to speak to you today, are you ready to obey? Are you ready to do what he says? Are you ready to trust? Are you ready to wait? Are you ready to hope? Are you ready? Are you prepared to love? Are you prepared to serve? Are you prepared to share the good news? Are you prepared for God? Where is the Lord God of Elijah? I believe he's present with us today. I believe he's ready to meet us. Are we prepared for him? Can I ask you to bow your head? I hope you've seen God's grace to to Elijah and through his life.
let's take a moment and search our hearts and ask, are we, are we prepared for the Lord, for him to work? And if our answer is yes, then I believe God will have done work again through the life of Elijah. Lord, make us ready to do your work. Sustain us, protect us. Direct us. We confess to you, we need you. We thank you that you are our help and our refuge. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.